Good morning, everybody. Happy Sunday to all y'all. My name is Pete. I'm one of the pastors here. We are glad that you are here, most especially if you're visiting. Today we're going to preaching, be preaching through a passage from our Bible reading plan called a lectionary. We're going to be preaching through one of the Psalms. This week's Psalm is a Psalm of trust. It is about praising God for God's protection and care. Now, it's all over the Psalms how life goes up and down, and in the last weeks we've read Psalms of King David where he's going through suffering and mourning. The, the world, the Bible, God knows that sometimes uh, we are in a broken world, right? Sometimes, however, we find ourselves in a place where we can give thanks for God's presence and reflect out of a heart of gratitude and trust for God. And so what I want to encourage you today is put your trust in God. This is actually a command and an invitation and an encouragement that shows up throughout the scriptures, and I'm going to read a brief sampling of some of the passages that move us toward trusting in God. Here's one from Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge God, and he will direct your paths. He'll make your paths straight. This is pretty straightforward. And so here's how you put this one into practice. When you are sure that God is guiding you, despite whatever else the world may tell you, trust in God. And you might say, sometimes it's hard to know for sure if God is guiding you. Well, I'll tell you what I do. Put that on God. God is perfectly capable of speaking to you in a way that you can understand and know that it is him. And so when you are not sure, say, God, I think you might be speaking to me, but I can't quite exactly tell. Would you please speak to me just a little bit louder? And I'll tell you, in my life, that has worked out pretty well. God has been willing to speak again and again. And there are a lot of stories in the Old Testament of people where God spoke to them and they were not exactly sure. And sometimes they were sure and they still had a little bit of doubt. And God spoke to them again and again and made it clear. And so I want to encourage you. If you think God is speaking to you, press in. And if God is speaking to you, go that way. Put your trust in God. He'll make your path straight. Here's one from Joshua 1.9. And in this passage, we have a leader of Israel. His name's Joshua, and he is super afraid to do what God has called him to do. And here's what God says. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed because why? The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And so this is a passage from God to a specific person. How does it apply to us? Well, the reason Joshua is told to be strong and courageous and not to be afraid or dismayed is because God is with him. What does Jesus say to us in the Great Commission? I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That is a verse that is true for you, just as it was for Joshua. God is with you always to the end of the age. And so when things come up that may leave you afraid or dismayed, you can set that aside and you can say, you know what? God is with me. God is with you. We have one from Jeremiah 17, 7. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is him. How many of us need a little bit more of God's blessing in our lives? Okay, I don't know if you've noticed, but the world is super screwed up. 
And so every now and then, God punctures through this world with his finger, reaches into it, and does good in it. And so what does this verse say? As we trust in God, we receive more blessing. And so we're not like a name it and claim it or prosperity gospel church. Sometimes it is mysterious how it works out. But I do trust the word of God. When we put our trust in God, we are more blessed in this world. And so have confidence. God will have your back. You may wander. You may wind up in darkness. All of us do sometimes. In the end, it is God who prevails. I have one more verse about trusting God before we read our psalm today. This is also from Psalms. It's from 32.10. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds those who trust in him. I got a picture while I was reading this one of like a blanket just wrapped around the one who trusts in God, a blanket of God's love. I want to be enfolded in the love of God. One way we can do that is by putting our trust in God. And so on that note, we're going to approach one of the great prayer songs of trust. This is Psalm 16. We're going to go through it a couple few verses at a time. 16.1. Keep me safe, O God, for I have come to you for refuge. I said to the Lord, you are my master. Every good thing I have comes from you. And this is about our heart toward God. God's the one that we can go to for safety. When you are feeling unsafe, insecure, afraid, you can go to God. That's the encouragement of Scripture for you today. Go to God when you are in need. Because as James 1.17 says, every good and perfect gift comes from God. And so when we have needs for God to act in our life, we go to Him. I remember when I first joined the vineyard, I was in a terrible season of life. I had been in a pretty short marriage while a drug addict, and my ex-wife had left me to go be polyamorous somewhere in Texas. And I had given up drugs as God came into my life in that season. At the same time, I had given up all my friends, everybody I knew. I had no car. I'm living in a small town. And one day after church, I'm in this little vineyard church in Flagstaff, and someone prayed for me. And they prayed that God would give me a place in my heart and spirit where I could be safe. And wow, did I need that. And as they prayed, I got this picture in my mind of a meadow with the sun shining on it, kind of later toward autumn, surrounded by a wall and ringed by trees, and all of it covered in ivy. And I felt peace, and I felt secure, and I felt like God was with me. And I got a sense of God being the creator. And ever since then, sometimes when I pray, I picture myself in that place and I can instantly feel the presence of God with me. And so for me, in a practical way, that's been a spiritual place of refuge that God's put in my heart. My prayer for you is that you would have a practical connection to God where God can be your place of safety and security through all the ups and downs, all the challenges, all the dark times. God wants to be your refuge, your fortress, your rock. Verse 3. The godly people in the land are my true heroes. I take pleasure in them. Troubles multiply for those who chase after other gods. I will not take part in their sacrifices of blood or even speak the names of their gods. It helps here to know a little bit about the ancient Near East. 
which is the culture in which this is being written. In this region, worship of other gods is not a minor thing. Worship of other gods is associated with a lot of really horrible things that all of us would say no to. For instance, the sacrifice of children in order to get God to do what you want, right? And so when we talk about people chasing after other gods, we're not talking like, oh, people are experimenting with humming toward a rock or something like that, right? We're talking about people engaging in things that genuinely change how people act and how people treat one another. Israel would occasionally wander from God. And when they would, they occasionally engaged in things like child sacrifice. And over and over through the Old Testament, we see that when Israel left after pursuing God, there followed oppression of the poor, especially widows, immigrants, and orphans. The God who is at the center of our worship helps define who we become. What you're after in life helps determine the kind of actions that you will take throughout your life. And so the encouragement of the Bible is follow the ways of wise and godly people rather than the ways of fools that lead to destruction. Now, unfortunately, as people, sometimes it is hard for us to tell which is which. We read a book for Leadership Pub. We meet quarterly, read a book, and talk about it at a bar somewhere. We read a book for Leadership Pub called Give and Take by Adam Grant. And it's about how some people are naturally givers, and givers are awesome to be around because they want to help and give to you. Some people are naturally takers. Takers are awful. They just want to take everything they can get, and they don't give anything back. Most people are matchers, and matchers tend to do whatever the people around them uh, seem to be doing, right? And this is why you need to get rid of takers, is because all the matchers will start going that direction too. And what all the research shows is that people don't tend to pay attention first to whether you're a giver-taker. They pay attention first to whether you're warm and sociable and friendly. And so you guys all know this. You walk into a job interview, you're warm, sociable, and friendly. It doesn't matter that you've been a taker your whole life. You are very likely to get that job. I happen to be warm, sociable, and friendly. Don't listen to me because of that. That is totally a terrible characteristic to follow somebody for. The Bible encourages us to look beyond who's warm and friendly on the surface, look beyond who are the social people, look at people's lives for the long haul. When I think about looking at someone's life for the long haul, I think of my grandpa. He was a construction worker. He pretty much moved cement from point A to point B with a wheelbarrow for 50 years. And over the course of his life, he became one of the most gentle, kind, and good human beings I've ever gotten to be around. He spoke quietly and rarely. He chuckled often. He loved my grandmother deeply. In his 70s, he had one good arm, and he would shovel the widows out because the little old ladies need help. And so he'd go shovel out driveways down the street. At the same time, I've got kids in junior high, and it is amazing how much influence mean kids have when they are pretty or popular. Not because they're kind or generous, but because they follow the right trends or songs or whatever. And so somewhere between my grandpa and the average seventh grade mean kid is most of the rest of us. And so we have the opportunity to take a careful look at the people in our lives and then choose who we want to imitate. And I want to encourage you, imitate the good and godly people in your life. I think of John and Sue Marsden. Are you here, John and Sue, this service? Everybody's pointing. There you are. I think of John and Sue Marsden, our founding pastors, who are two of the best people in the history of the world. I think of Bruce and Bonnie Gustafson, 
are probably with us online, and who are longtime members and friends and who are foundational to this church. Look for the people in your life who do good over the time. I know this is low-hanging fruit, and I don't want to go after low-hanging fruit all the time, but do not be swayed by the Kardashians of this world, okay? Social media is going to constantly present you with people who look interesting or inviting or pretty. Don't follow after people for these reasons. Follow the people who love God. Verse 5. Lord, you alone are my inheritance, my cup of blessing. You guard all that is mine. The land you have given me is a pleasant land. Look outside, people. It's summer. It's a good time. What a wonderful inheritance. I love this passage, which is about expressing gratitude to God, right? I love the celebrate recovery phrase, maintain an attitude of gratitude. I'm not usually into sappy, rhymy things, but that attitude of gratitude thing actually works. Usually, if you've been coming here for any length of time, you know I would put up a slide right here with the 36 scientifically proven ways that gratitude changes your life for the better. But instead, once in a while, I got to do something different. I just Googled what's the latest study because there's always latest studies on how great gratitude is. Here's one from Dr. Martin Seligman, who is a top researcher in the psychology of happiness. They tested lots of different interventions on 411 people, along with scientific controls so that they're measuring fairly. They found that when people were assigned to write and personally deliver a letter of gratitude to someone who had not been properly thanked for their kindness, participants immediately exhibited a huge increase in happiness. The impact was greater than any other intervention. The benefits lasted a month. A month, people. And what this means is of the scientifically investigated stuff by people who are not doing it out of Christian motivation, gratitude is the top thing you can do to be happy. It is the number one thing. And so if you have missed the chance to do it lately, thank God. Because God has given you good things. If nothing else, a beautiful day, right? And take the time, think about someone who has done kindness to you or to someone you love and personally thank them. You're going to need that 30 days of increased happiness at some point in the next month, right? Everyone's month goes up and down. And when you're around here, that happiness makes a difference. So I was writing this message, and I realized, as I occasionally do, you should probably practice what you preach. And so I prayed, and I thought about when my uncle met with me during my experience of COVID and being divorced. We met at a Perkins, and it meant so much to me, with both my parents being dead, to have an older relative reach out and care for me in a time of need. And so I sent him a thank you note this week. He lives away as away. We both have busy schedules. I'll tell you, it felt great even in the middle of a ton of challenges this week. And so my question for you out of this is, can you, maybe with the help of God, think of someone in your life who hasn't been thanked for their kindness? And would you be willing to reach out and thank them? I'll even pray toward that end. God, we first of all thank you. You've given us yourself. You've come to us in the person of Jesus Christ. And we are grateful. Thank you. You've done so much work in our lives, so many stories in this room of your direct intervention in our lives. For every one of those stories, thank you. 
And we know that there are unthanked people in our lives, God, who have demonstrated your goodness. We ask that you would bring them to our mind and that you would give us the faith to reach out in gratitude and let them know what a difference they've made. Help us to be a people of gratitude, Lord. Amen. Verse 7, I will bless the Lord who guides me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. These verses get at the heart of what faith is. The New Testament book of Hebrews says, if anyone wants to have faith, they must believe God exists and rewards those who seek God. That's it. That's all you have to do to have and grow in a life of faith. Believe in God and believe that God does good for people who seek him. God does not want to be unfound, apart, isolated from you. Our God is the one who comes to us and in coming to us through Christ invites us to come to him. And God is the giver of good gifts, our bodies, our lives, spiritual gifts, gifts of guidance. And that's what's in this passage is receiving guidance from God. There are so many reasons that we would seek guidance from God. God is our creator. God knows our deepest needs and desires. When you have young kids, you see how often human beings want things that are not good for them. Amen? When I look in the mirror, I see how easy it is for human beings to want things that are not good for them. Could I get another amen? Okay? God knows the actual needs that are at the root of all our desires, and God knows how to meet those. God is good. When we follow God, we grow in goodness. Can you imagine being a more good person? That is a thing that comes out of getting your guidance from a good God. And God can see farther than we can. I get stuck up against obstacles and problems and challenges, and I can't see through it, and it looks like a mountain. Do you know who can see over that mountain? The living God. God can see over all the obstacles and all the mountains that we throw in front of him. And so we seek God's guidance because one of the great gifts, one of the great rewards of a life of faith is guidance for the path forward. And I love the picture here that as we bless God, even while we're sleeping, our heart can settle and lead us into the good guidance of a good God. Some of us here have been wisdom challenged. Has anyone here had to make tons of terrible choices in order to learn besides me? I love you guys. Thank you. I'm super glad that you came today. This is really good news. Bless the Lord, and you can grow in goodness even while you are sleeping. Some of us still got a long way to go. And so this guidance and goodness leaves the psalmist convinced God is always with me and I will not be shaken because if God is beside us, who can stand against us? There are so many Psalms of David where David is facing doubt and fear and people who are trying to kill him and horrible situations. And in today's prayer, we see sometimes as we follow God, it is not so hard. Sometimes we get seasons of actually knowing the presence of the living God, receiving and growing in God's guidance, trusting in God's goodness. I love it when a season like that happens. 
And I feel like this week, God is inviting us, the specific people of River Heights Vineyard, you are one, if you are here today, is inviting us to step out of the pandemic and polarization and trials of the last years and press into trusting in God and receiving the guidance of God. Today is a day for us to rest in the security and unshakable faith that God is with us. And that's where the psalmist leads into the closing verses of this prayer song. No wonder my heart is glad and I rejoice. My body rests in safety, for you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. So friends, of course there is time for mourning and doubt and suffering in our lives and in our prayers. And we've talked about those things in some of the other psalms that we have been reading. There is also a time for gladness and rejoicing. Our God has the way of life. We do not end with our soul in the grave. God will grant to each of us who seek him the joy of God's presence and the genuine pleasure of living with God for eternity. Every one of us who seeks him. And so here at the end of this psalm, I want to apply the trust and thankfulness of Psalm 16 to an honest-to-God situation of our everyday lives. And so this might feel jarring to some of you, but I'm going to do it anyway. This week, the Supreme Court made a tiny little ruling. Many Christians are celebrating. Some Christians are lamenting. We have people I know in this church who've been praying for Roe versus Wade to be overturned for decades. We have people I know in this church who are horrified at what has happened. I love being a diverse church, but it's been hard in the last couple few years. What does Psalm 16 say to us? First of all, God is with us. God is still the same. Yesterday, the day before yesterday, the day before yesterday. Today, for every single today, and every tomorrow that ever comes. This God who is trustworthy in Psalm 16 is the God who raised Jesus from the dead. That's the God who is with you and for you. Second, these situations of polarizing politics were part of the life of Jesus' followers too, and for the earliest Christians. The Roman Empire was not benign or good to Israel in the first centuries. One of the things I learned in seminary from a reliable person who studies history more than scripture, the actual worst place in the world to have been born is Jesus' hometown when he was born. It was an area that was known for rebellion against Rome, Five years before Jesus' birth, Rome had come in and crucified every man, woman, child, and baby and left them up in a city three miles from his hometown. And these kind of things happened. Can you imagine how the people around Jesus felt about the Roman Empire, about the invading armies, about the invading government? Jesus had in his 12 closest followers a revolutionary zealot whose purpose in life was to overthrow him, and a tax collector whose purpose in life was to get money from his people and give it to the government, okay? And yet, the earliest biblical writer, the Apostle Paul, quotes Psalm 16. 
And when he does, it's not about the partisan politics of their day or ours. It is about how Jesus did not rot in the grave. How Jesus is the Holy One of God who is resurrected and alive. And how that meant that the early Christians, with all the polarization in a culture that had it worse than we do, had an ultimate hope and an ultimate Savior that matters even more than the politics of their age. Every now and then I long for a church where we believe, you know, just what I believe. Every now and then I think about how convenient it would be and how there would be less stupidity on Facebook, right? I don't actually follow anyone on Facebook who talks about politics, but people tell me that it's dumb out there, okay? I am super glad that we have been a church where Jesus Christ comes first where the resurrection of our Savior has helped us to love one another across differences that our culture says you cannot love one another across. I'm not here to tell you which of the sides on whatever issue are ultimately right, although let me assure you I have really strong feelings on the issue. What I'm here to tell you is that nothing has changed in our highest aim or greatest good. We can trust in God. The third thing that stands out to me from this psalm, however you're feeling this week, is gratitude. I appreciated a post from the Vineyard Preachers and Teachers Forum this week. I hide everything political, but I can't hide the other pastors. Uh, This was from a pastor who lives in the part of the country where he assumed everyone on our forum, of course, believes the same thing. It always makes me chuckle when someone's from a church where that happens. I have no idea what that's like. The pastor was posting to challenge us as pastors to focus on listening to and loving people who disagree with his position, and to focus on being grateful for what we can be grateful for. I thought that was super helpful counsel. I think it's totally in harmony with Psalm 16, which is the word of the Lord for us today. And so I want to encourage you wherever you're at, listen to and love your neighbor, whether they agree with you or don't, and be grateful for everything that you can be grateful for. That will sustain you through whatever you believe the work of justice is in this world. That will give you a place that's not about attacking your enemy, a place that's about loving and serving your enemy. And I'll just give you one tip. When you love people who are difficult to love, you win in the end. Everybody around you sees it. If you're the person who's kind to the difficult person at work, people know you have integrity and that you can be relied on over time. When you're the person who's kind online, It sticks out over time. And even the people who attack you for it in the moment because you're not being popular, in the end will learn that you are a person who's going to do good and be kind. So I want to encourage you to be that person in this culture. I think that's about as far as Psalm 16 applies to our current situation. I hope that that is helpful to you. God is good. Jesus Christ is alive all the time. The kingdom of God is still breaking into this world, most especially through us as we follow Jesus. The body of Christ is the people of God. I invite you to stand as you're able and the worship team to come on back up here. We've got three tips for you to put the word of God into practice this week. Take them as God leads. Tip number one, read Psalm 16. Psalms of trust are a good read. They feel good. And this one's even short. And so it's like a burst of goodness in your life. Read Psalm 16. Tip number two, pray your own prayer of trust in God. 
You have reasons to trust in God that are different than the psalmist. You're in a different place than the psalmist was. And so pray a prayer of trust this week. Tip number three, thank someone who has been unthanked for their kindness. Sit down, pray who has been unthanked in my life. Find them and let them know. You'll feel good about it for like a month on average. Okay, I'm going to lead us into prayer and especially a prayer of trust. Um, if we have folks on the prayer team, could you please come forward and be ready to pray with people right now? Thank you, guys. Uh, so, God, first just thank you for everything you've done. Thank you for today's word. Thank you for your goodness, your reliability. Thank you for the demonstration of servant love that you gave us in Jesus Christ. And thank you for sending your Holy Spirit to us today. Thank you for opening your word to be a living word so that we can take part in your story. Thank you. Uh, second off, God, we just ask that you would make us a people who are able to respond to the many brokennesses of this world with trust and gratitude. Help us to remember what we have to be thankful for. Help us to remember that ultimately you are with us and we do not need to be afraid. We do not need to be worried. We do not need to be shaken or dismayed or run away from where you have called us. Help us to press forward. And on these issues where our culture tells us we have to be divided and we have to treat each other hatefully, we ask God, would you give us hearts for justice that leave us free to love our neighbor? Would you help us to practice advocacy and love and just really being after your heart in a way that helps us include every person you care about, which is every person we know. We have very strong voices after our heart to cause us to let love for our neighbor aside. But you gave us the gave us the story of a good Samaritan God, someone who believes the wrong things, does the wrong things, someone we don't even talk to, who does good, and you told us be like that person. Help us to be a people who do good, God. Help us to put our trust in you first. We want to close with worship and prayer, God, because the most important thing we can do together is worship you and pray with you. Worship team will let us know when the service is over, and if you're visiting, I'd love to meet you afterwards. God bless you.